What's up, man? What up, what up? How you doing? Fantastic, dude. Happy Saturday. Sunday? Sunday. Happy Sunday. I'm a day behind. Sheesh, man. I feel like I'm in a time warp right now the last few weeks. <laughs> yeah, the, the, there were so many days where I couldn't remember what day of the week it was or what. Dude, the worst part is, is like I always start my conversations with like happy whatever day it is. And I always have like this moment of like, like panic before it comes out. Like, oh shit, is that the right day? Like, sometimes I still fuck oh, it up. <laughs> it, it happens to the best of us. Now, real quickly, before we get into things, uh, during quarantine, it seemed a lot of people went for growing the beard out, growing the mustache out. Now you already had it. So did you just feel like everyone was just trying to follow your lead? I think so, man. I think so, but I'm all right with it. I welcome them to the pack. I welcome them to the family. Welcome bearded brothers and sisters if you got a beard. <laughs> now, how long How long does something like that take to grow out? Uh, I've been working on this for about a year and a half, but I've trimmed it a few times. I have a I have a real good barber in, uh, in Lakeland who, who keeps it tidy for me. So it's been interesting since I left Lakeland to try to keep it like shaped and not too wily. Because otherwise, it's one of those where, like, once it gets to a certain length, it just, poof, like, poops out. Yeah. So it's like, I can't be one of those guys. You know, I got to keep it clean. Have you been to the Strawberry Festival in Lakeland? I haven't, but I've heard, of, I've heard like, numerous people talk about the strawberry and then the strawberry shortcake that's there, apparently. Uh -huh. the, the, the water tower that's painted like a strawberry? Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. It sounds like you did. Sounds like you know about it, man. You've been there? Or? I've been there. I've been there. Not to the Strawberry Festival, but because I live like uh, two and a half hours south from Lakeland. So. Okay. Where are um, you at in Florida? Uh, Marco Island. Okay. So cool. south of Naples on the Gulf Island. side. Dude, you'll have to get up for a match next season. Man. I know. We, I know. I got to I gotta come up and see. Yeah, dude. Uh, all right. So just to get started, introduce yourself, your name, position that you play, and current club. Sure. Yeah, my name's Rob Acosta. Uh, I play defender, and I currently play for the Florida Tropics in the Major Arena Soccer League. I feel like everyone knew you were a defender. Like, I've never seen someone not a defender that has a beard like that. It comes with the territory, man. Shaved head, big beard, a little bit bigger, you know? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so you're playing, uh, for those that don't know, you're playing indoor soccer, so it's a little bit different than the outdoor game. Um, and we'll get into kind of your career switch to that and everything. But just to get started, talk about where you grew up. What did youth soccer look like for you? Because obviously you weren't uh, playing just indoor soccer your entire career. Yeah, man. Yeah, so I didn't even know about indoor soccer until I was probably uh, like 21, 22. But so I grew up in Arizona. And of course, in Arizona, you don't need to play indoor. You can just play outdoor all year round. Um, so I got started when I was four. Um, I played AYSO until I was about seven or eight. Um, and then I, I loved the game. And so I went ahead and um, my parents got me involved in club soccer. So I got into club and um, played a few years there. I was lucky enough at that point, I was a little bit bigger for my age. So I got to play uh, with a couple older age groups. Uh, it was like two age groups up from me. What um, age was that so, that you started playing up? Uh, at age nine. Okay. Yeah, nine and ten. Yep. Um, so yeah, man. So that was a huge blessing off the bat, man. Just getting to play against older, smarter, faster guys at a really young age. Um, I mean, obviously it kind of accelerated my growth. 
Um, and then when I was about 13 or 14, <clears throat> we Tucson had an actual soccer academy um, develop, <clears throat> which was like a little bit more organized club. Um, so they ended up recruiting me over for my own age group. Um, and so at that point, was it uh, was 14 or 15, I started playing with my own age. As a center back? Um, as a center back, yep. Um, and it was funny, man. The way that the way that I got in, the coach told me that the only reason he picked me at the tryout was because I wouldn't shut up. Like I was the only player on the, like the center back that was out there commanding people. And he's like, "You literally would not shut the heck up." And so we we're like, "All right, we'll we'll teach this guy what he needs to know," you know. <laughs> yeah, but that was a great time because that was probably one of the most talented teams I played on, and even at a young age, man, we were the the '87 Tucson Soccer Academy, um, and at that age, we won the state cup. Um, and then, so pretty much all eyes were on us, man. So that opened the door for me to get into the Olympic development program. Um, I know ODP is, is kind of big in some regions still. It isn't really as big in some you're, regions. You're dating yourself a little bit. By no, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I know that there's a push. There's actually, I read something a couple of days ago about the MLS making a push to start to reintegrate um, programs like that. So. Um, but that was good for me too, man. I got, um, you know, I was in Tucson, so there was a limited talent, talent pool there. Um, but Phoenix was about two hours away and they have a massive talent pool, man. They have very talented players come out of there. Um, and so, man, God bless my parents. They got me involved in ODP. So my mom would drive me up to Phoenix, you know, every single weekend. And then during parts of the year, she'd drive me up multiple nights during the week as well. Um, so two, you know, four hours on the road total both ways. Um, but it was a lot of fun. Um, I played on a couple of really good club teams. My ODP team was fairly successful. Um, and so, yeah, man, that was pretty much, we, we won a couple state titles to run her up, went to regionals a couple times. Um, so I started getting scouted. Yeah. So I started getting scouted when I was about 16 or 17 to go to different colleges. Um, and that was a whole different experience. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about that. Um, what was your goals? like high school age with soccer was it i want to go to college i want to be a professional what was or was it i'm just i'm having fun being with the boys what was kind of your uh mindset about soccer yeah i wanted to, i was all in man i wanted to play professionally uh the, the division was to get a pro con to go to college to have it pay for my college um and then to get a pro contract after that um so yeah man i was all in from a young age i, I stopped playing other sports when i was 16 and was like nope this is going to be it so then talk so, a little bit, how did, uh, how did the recruiting process look like for university? Uh, were you looking at a lot of different schools? How did you land on the one you chose? Yeah, it was interesting, man. So I ended up in small town, Iowa, which was freaking crazy. Um, so I, you know, growing up or so at about 15 to 18, I was talking to, there was a company that came into my club and they were like ambassadors to college. And so they put together a profile for us and put together videos and started sending them out to various colleges. And they were kind of like liaisons. Um, and it was, I mean, it was a hit, man. I, I, I was talking to a couple of schools. Uh, UC Irvine was at the forefront. I really wanted to go to Irvine. Um, and so we had everything locked down. They're going to give me some financial money, uh, at least the first couple of years and then guaranteed full ride junior, senior year. Um, and then, uh, it was the final recruiting tournament. My senior year, man, it was in August. We were in California and I was set to visit Irvine and, and finalize everything. And I tore, I, I had a big injury, tore a bunch of muscles in my hip. Um, and so everything kind of dropped out. They're like, Oh, well, 
we definitely can't give you money, you know, until, you know, maybe junior year. So, um, I had a good amount of, of academic money lined up, but it still, it wasn't going to cover, like close the gap. Sure. So, yeah. So that, so that fell through. So then I started reaching out to my, you know, second, third, fourth choice, fourth choices, and they had already signed defenders. Um, everyone was willing to bring me in, but I would have had to foot my own bill. Um, so then, but sure enough, man, this small division three college, Wartburg college from Waverly, Iowa, man, BFE, Iowa, a town of like 10,000 people. The college was like 2000 kids. Like here, oh. here I am, this big city boy from, you know, Tucson, Arizona. And, um, I remember the first few recruiting letters I got from Wartburg went straight into the trash, man. I didn't even open them. I was like, uh. Waverly, Iowa. Nope. <laughs> um, but then at that point, man, it was like, all right, well, let me reach out and see what they can do. And, you know, the coach was thrilled and brought me in for a visit. And they lined me up with, you know, um, academic money and a couple other monies to take care of things. And I mean, honestly, like I was enthralled on my visit. I was enthralled. I was like, all right, I'm a little bit nervous, but this could be like a really cool experience. Like it's a, it's a tight knit community. Everyone seems really close. So, all right, I'll, you know, so I'll do it. Um, so yeah, man, I signed with signed with Wartburg College and uh, ended up spending my next three and a half years in BFE Iowa. What a small corner in Iowa. <laughs> I I remember my sister was looking at the school actually, so I remember going there when I was like mm, 13, 12 years old, and I remember being like, "Huh, okay. so this is Wartburg, huh?" <laughs> Dude, that's awesome that you've been there, man. So you really know. <laughs> I know it. Um, what was your offside of the soccer topic what you experienced winter in iowa which is just beautiful i'm sure for someone from arizona <laughs> dude so i had uh i mean i've got so many funny winter stories actually with different msl runs in the winter time so i'm in all these freaking but it started with iowa dude so i remember i went out there and the my parents had like bought me a sweatshirt and they were like, all right, you know, I got, a, I got a sweatshirt and I got some like thin gloves. I was like, all right, I should be set. And dude, we're like three weeks into the season. It's like October or something. And it hits like, like low sixties at a training session. And I'm like, no, 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 man. F that. I saw, I got my beanie on my under armor, like everything that I've got to go out there. And of course, Iowa, man, you got all these boys that are used to it. So they're all out there shirts off. Like, you know, oh, get a nice day. Yeah, yeah, they pray for days like that. <laughs> so I quickly gained the reputation of the Arizona boy um, because I, you know, anytime it dropped below about 65, there's me, you know, bundled up. Um, but yeah, dude, I hated it. I hated my first winter. I, I almost, I almost, literally almost left college because I was oh, like, wow. this is awful. I had a really rough experience my freshman year as far as soccer went. Um, and plus it was cold and I didn't know, you know, so it was like the perfect storm, but I'm glad I yeah, persevered. When, when, when you, yeah. When you came in, were you, uh, were you getting much playing time? How did that, that freshman year look like soccer wise? Um, it was, it was hit and miss. It was, it was really hot and cold. And that was one of the issues that I had, like, I'd go in and, you know, I thought I was doing well and I didn't get playing time. And then I thought I wasn't doing well. And all of a sudden I'm getting a bunch of playing time and, um, there were players that were playing over me that, you know, I have upperclassmen are telling me that I'm better than, you know, who really knows at that point if they're just gassing me up or, you know, but yeah, man, there was a lot of, it was a lot of up and downs with my coach freshman year. So, um, yeah, man, it caused a lot of tension. Cause I was like, look, so, just tell me. Yeah. So you're thinking, of, me. 
you're thinking you're thinking of transferring um what leads you to decide not to um what what makes you kind of i i guess essentially i would say maybe a turning point for your memories and everything and your time at warburg what was the the difference maker um honestly the difference was um I remember there was like a sequence of events. There was a couple of things. One was I wasn't sure if I would be able to play the next season. There was, if I did leave, there was a good chance I'd have to sit out for a year. Um, and I was like, ah, I don't really want to. Um, and at that point I got in like a couple of the upperclassmen kind of took me under their wing and um, just really empathized with me and, and how I was feeling. And, and of course at that point, then they were like some of the stars on the team. So, you know, now I've got these upperclassmen that are just kind of reinforcing some positivity in me and saying, Hey, you know, you just got to grit through it. Remember you're a freshman, like while you're good and you're, and you're, you know, these other guys are also good and they've been here longer than you. And they kind of gave, they gave me the perspective that I needed, you know, and they, and they kept me, you know, it wasn't that I, cause the, the biggest thing was for a lot of it, I started to like doubt myself. It was like, well, shit, am I even that good? Am I even good enough? Like, am I even worthy? And so that was causing a bunch of mental confusion. Um, but yeah, man, once I was able to kind of work through that and realize that it's just a development process and you got to pay your dues sometimes. And we were a very successful division three school. Like we went to the final or we went to the elite eight, my, my freshman year. Um, and so it was like, uh, you know, I just had to pay my dues and suck it up and, you know, have a good, good attitude about it. Absolutely. Uh, the next three seasons, um, you move into a starting role. What does how does your football soccer improve over those years? Yeah. So the next two years, especially it was, um, that's when I, that's when the, the autonomy really started to hit for me. You know, I was away from home freshman year. I, you know, it's the first time away from home, home, you go a little crazy, you know, um, you learn to calibrate. And so, especially once I kind of learned to like to really just hone in and Hey, this is, this is my time there's literally no one else holding me back. Like it's what I want to do with my time and my efforts and my energy. Mm -hmm. um, so at that, that point, especially I started doing just a lot more individual training. Um, now at that time, especially I, I was getting, a, I was getting into weight training and working out outside of soccer. So I'd only really worked out with a ball before, never really lifted weights, done speed and agility or anything like that. And so at that point, it's that, that point I started to lift some weights and I started to get stronger. Um, so I was, I was kind of a string bean. Um, you know, I shot up to about this height when I was about 15 um, and, I, and I was like 150 to 160 pounds, just, a, you know, a light pull. Uh, mm -hmm. So at that point I started to get stronger and I started to like really turn into more of an athlete, um, which obviously that in itself has its, has its benefits. Um, I would like to say that I focused more on skill development um, if I could go back and send, and give a, a piece of advice to myself at that, I know we'll talk about like giving advice to our, you know, our, our past self, but at that point in my life, especially, uh, man, I wish I would have spent a little bit more time with, with ball mastery and ball precision and things like that. Um, but I still, but I feel like I developed as an athlete and, um, got better, got smarter about my body. And, and that's when, so I was, I was majoring in fitness management. So that's like gym ownership and personal training and all that. So I started to started to implement it into my own life at that point and started to see how it could better myself, mm -hmm. you know, not only physically, but mentally and spiritually and all that too. Absolutely. And then, and then the biggest transformation came my senior year. So we actually got a new head coach my senior year. Um, so sophomore and junior year, it was kind of like, well, 
agree to disagree. Like we, I didn't, I coached me and I coached and like, didn't dislike each other, but we knew that we weren't totally compatible. And so there, it wasn't the most, it wasn't the most beneficial environment for development. Uh, but senior year, I got a new coach. Um, they, he actually um, completely changed my view of leadership. Um, so the first thing he did when, when we came in was he had us read a couple books and articles. Um, and basically it was the, the idea and the mentality that, that leaders serve from the bottom. Um, and so little things like, man, our very first meeting, he was like, all right, cause you know, in college, a lot of times it's like the seniors are like, all right, rookies, freshmen, you guys got to pick up all the shit, you know? Um, but he was like, I better not once see any of you guys say rookies or freshmen, you guys are, you guys better pick up all that stuff. He's like, but watch, I guarantee you after you do it once, you're never going to have to watch these guys do it again. They're going to fall in line and they're going to know their responsibility. And if you ever see somebody falling off, you set the example and you, you do the work and show them what needs to be done. Um, and do that just that entire season, just that mentality. Um, we went in, we had lost pretty much all of our key players. Um, it was me and, and I think one or two other seniors that were really holding the team down. And other than that, it was all underclassmen. We were projected to get seventh in the conference that year. Um, but we won, but we won, yeah, we won the conference. Oh, wow. um, and it was all through, yeah, and it was just all through, you know, my, you know, me and the other leaders just reevaluating and, and resetting what leadership looked like. Um, and then just putting in the work. So that was really cool. That was a, that was a pretty transformative time for me. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. That was uh, very similar to my college coach's mentality. So, like seniors and captains had to fill up the water bottles before training and bring the balls to and from the field because he wanted that yeah. servant leadership. And sounds real good. The first three years, incredible. Freshman, sophomore, junior year, you're like, all right, like don't have to do anything. But you you do though see the uh, the benefits when from the the top down, you know, the guys are willing to do anything and not asking the guys from the bottom to do something they wouldn't do. So it does, it does make a big difference on the team for sure. Um, during that time you're growing, obviously physically you're growing in your soccer. Um, is professional soccer at all looking like this could be a realistic thing during your college time? Obviously it's a dream, but is it, you know, do you have a plan? Is there looking like this might be a realistic thing to happen? Um, honestly, man, there was never a moment of like, all right, here's, here's the opportunity. Here's my chance. Um, I remember, especially at that point, you know, being young and at that age, it was, you, you find open tryouts and you see what open tryouts you can go to. And, um, so yeah, I remember at that point I was, I was pretty lost to be honest, because, you know, a, a lot of my friends from different schools, their coaches had connection, like they could, uh, oh, hey, my coach knows this guy at so-and-so, or hey, my coach, so I'm going to this preseason. It's like, well, my, my coach didn't know anybody, and there was no one from my school that had that had uh, gone to the next level, you know, before me. So there, was, there wasn't really any resources, there wasn't really a network, so I was like, so I honestly didn't know, man. So, so coming out of college, uh, I don't. I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but no, no, go ahead. Can, You're good. Yeah, so pretty much. Hey, it's your out story, of man. You, you tell yeah, me. Cool. <laughs> cool, yeah. Um, so yeah, dude. So coming out of college, it was like, well, sh you know, I, I graduated. I got done early. I graduated early. Um, got my got done with you know, took care of business, and so I left. I could have been done in three years, but I wanted to stay for my senior year. So um, got done with that. Left in December. Moved back to Arizona. 
and my you know just spent january after graduation like man honestly just fucking around and like i didn't i didn't have any direction i didn't know what i was going to do i didn't have tucson didn't have any soccer arizona didn't have any professional soccer at that point so um i was actually i was dating a girl and oh, she was go. looking to yeah it's crazy uh, so she actually she was looking to go to school on the east coast um and so we just started looking at different places and she had some family in the virginia area i have some family kind of near there and so we, we picked a spot and we moved out there and she was she her plan was to go to school and my plan was to find a way into the soccer network so i, I moved out there and i moved to norfolk virginia and two days after I got there, there was a PDL game between the Virginia Beach Piranhas and the Yorktown shit, some other team. And so I went out and I watched them and I was like, and I told my girlfriend, I was like, all right, well, whichever team wins, I'm going up to that coach. I'm going to ask him if I can at least like come out and train. But they were like halfway through the PDL. Not, not the team that lost? Because you're like, oh, they need help. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, so sure enough, man, the team that won, I went up to the coach and I told him, I was like, or it was Williamsburg. I'm sorry, it was Williamsburg, um, the legacy. And so I went up and I was like, hey, man, like I'm new to the area. I just, I want to play soccer. I'm the, I don't want to, you know, I know you guys probably have a set roster. So can I come out and train with you guys just for the rest of the season? And he was like, yeah, man, I can't promise you a jersey, but if you want to train, come on out and train. Well, after the very first training session, he was he came up to me and he was like, "All right, dude, yeah, you can have a spot. We we have our first game. We have a game on Saturday. Fill out this paperwork right now. We need to submit it." So, so that got me in, man. Um, that got me into the PDL circuit, and then that team folded. So I went to the other team that I had watched that day, um, Virginia Beach Piranhas. Uh, for the next season, and I said, "Hey, you know, I I was with them, but now I'm here." And so, sure enough, they invited me in. Um, and so I spent the next couple of years, uh, it just in the PDL circuit going to fuck man, every USL or MLS tryout you can imagine anything that I could find to get my, get my hands into. I was, I was saving money and I was making money and I was going to it. At Wish I hadn't. In, at any point in that, are you thinking, Hey, maybe, maybe it's time to hang them up. Like nothing's coming. No, man. And in fact, so there was a there was a conversation I had with a PDL coach at one point. Um, it was my second year with Virginia. And I was I had a really open dialogue with my coaches. I'm always about like, what, how can I be better? Tell me how I look in training this week. What do I need to do better? And I remember after the first week of training, I went to him and I said, hey, man, what do I need to do better? Like, what what should be my focus this season? And his word, his exact fucking words to me were it's time to start thinking about a plan B in life. So I started thinking about what you're going to do outside of soccer. And I almost lost it, dude. I almost lost it, dude. I, I moved out. I moved away from my family. I was, dude, I was working 40 hours a week at a Domino's pizza so I could make enough money to fucking go and, and play on the soccer team. And so I was like, man, fuck that. Like that's, that's not my path. Like I, I am going to make it, you know? Um, so, so yeah, dude, I played on that and, and PDL was rough, man. I, I, I did what development I could as a player, but I mean, you know, most players know like the, the level of coaching is not consistent at college and, and at PDL. Um, you're not going to find, man, seeing the, like, and I only know this because I got to experience Brent Hall as a coach and we can get into that much later because that's later on down the road. But once you experience what a real coach is and does and shows you about the game, 
it's like, fuck, man, where was that 10 years ago in my career? You know? Yeah. I see. I was, point- I was blessed in PDL because I had, uh, I don't know if you know him, Tony Keys, who's like legend in the Chicagoland area. He was my PDL coach. So it was like incredible because like, it's, so you're good, it's man. yeah, you either get like amazing coaches or you get like some assistant coach at this college that gets hired for the summer because he's willing to live in whatever small town it is. Dude, one of, one of my years in PDL, I shit you not, we had the exact same training session, every single training session, the entire season. It didn't change. It didn't change, dude. It was, and it was the most basic shit. It was like a passing uh, warm-up from short, passing warm-up from long, and then small side and then playing, which is good to play. Well, what are you learning about the game at that point? You know, yeah. I, I learned nothing from a tactical standpoint at that point. But those years were really pivotal for me because – that's when I started to apply my fitness because, uh, you know, I have a fitness brand. And so that's when I started to apply it to others. And I started getting into personal training. And um, through that, I met a couple of guys who put me into like speed training because it's still at that point, I'd started to get a little bit bigger, but I, I wasn't very, I wasn't very strong and I wasn't very fast. Um, so luckily I met the right guys at that point in my career that put me into ladder work and, and speed and explosive work and agility work and things like that. So I spent that, you know, those phases of my life starting to get faster and building muscle and becoming a better athlete. Okay. So then what, what happens after that? We we're in the PDL. We've been playing. We had a coach tell us that, tell you now, I don't know why I'm saying us. I mean, I'm in this story together, man. Uh, but yeah, telling you, start thinking plan B, what's next in life. And then what happens after that? Uh, so then for as far as soccer goes, so the next big thing was the ownership of that team. They bought a team in the MISL, the major indoor soccer league. So they were, you know, they were, in, they loved indoor soccer. Still at that point, I, I still wasn't really sure what indoor soccer was, but they're like, all right, so now we're going to own this PDL team and we're going to own the Norfolk Sharks, which is the first pro team that I signed with. And so, man, it was another one of those, like, dude, for all the young people watching, like, dude, it's, it's work ethic and it's, and it's value you bring to the table. Like I, the owners liked me. They were like, Rob, we want you to, we know how hard you work. We see, you know, you've been doing the work, yada, yada. So, but the coach, the coach was not that interested in me. <laughs> and so, Is it same coach? Um, uh, no. So this was a different guy that they brought oh, in. And so, and his vision was to bring in veterans because they were an expansion team. So he really only wanted experienced guys. And I didn't know shit about the indoor soccer game. And to be honest, I really wasn't that great of a soccer player at that point. Um, looking back at that point, I was like, yeah, I'm the fucking shit. And I was pretty good, but there were guys that were a lot better than me at that point. Um, but he still, he brought me into training. So I would drive an hour to train. Uh, yeah. Drive an hour to training an hour home from training. And then I'd go to work at Domino's pizza for eight to 10 hours every single day for the first four, uh, let's see, November, December, January, four months of the season before I even had a contract. He didn't, he didn't, he's like, you can be on the training team. You can't even have a contract. So, but then finally on the signing deadline, February 5th, uh, 2012, I get a call and he's like, Hey man, uh, all right, you're ready. We're, you're ready. And we want to sign you before the deadline. So how do you feel about signing with the, with the shark? Like, oh my God. Yeah, dude. You're like, well, I'm kind of busy with Domino's. Uh, let me check with my manager. Oh man, so so that was cool, man. So that so they got me in, and um, I played in my first game, and um, I was like, yes, dude, I've made it. We're in. Um, and then that team folded. 
So they had a bunch of financial hardships. They couldn't get you know enough of the community behind them. So they they released all contracts and they folded. So I was like, well, fuck man, now what? Mm-hmm. Um, so I went back and that was in like uh, that was in March or April that they announced they were folding. So I got back to the PDL season, was playing PDL, and then they announced that they were going to have an indoor combine. So uh, I went, it was the MISL combine. So I went to the combine, and at that point, I actually knew the indoor soccer game, um, and, I, and I fucking killed it at the combine. I made, I made the all-star team there. And so I had, uh, yeah, so I had three teams reach out to me and, and invite me into preseason. Um, I opted to go with the Rochester Lancers at the time, because I don't know how much you know about indoor soccer, but dude, the owner up in Rochester, Soccer Sam, is mm-hmm. the most passionate man about soccer in this entire country. And he's got the business execution behind it. He wants to bring soccer to, to New York and to this country, and, and he fucking kills it. And so I was like, that's the guy I want to play for, you know? Um, but even still, dude, so that summer, um, while I was preparing for every, I was like in and out of tryouts, I was in and out of com- the combine. Um, train, you know, training my ass off and dude, I got injured. I, uh, about a month before I went, I was to report to Rochester. I, I did what I thought was a pulled. I thought I pulled my groin muscles, but I was like, dude, I can't, I have to go and I have to perform, you know? So I get up to Rochester and a day into preseason camp there, I went to cut one time and I just felt like the worst pop in like in my groin. Uh. And we didn't know at the time, but sure enough, found out you know, a few months later there was a sports hernia. It was a it was a pretty severe sports hernia, and I had pulled a bunch of the groin muscles off completely off the hip, and then because of that, I also pulled some of the ab muscles completely off the hip, uh, off the pelvis. And so lovely, it was like, lovely. Yeah, dude. So needless to say, I couldn't really walk. I couldn't really train. Um, and the coach and the owner and Rod, they were like, "Dude, sorry. Like we know you're working hard and killing, but." Um, you know, we can't have an injured player, your liability. And so you got to get this figured out. So, um, so yeah, man, I moved home, moved back home to Arizona um, and had to figure out kind of the next, the next phase from there, man, spent, spent two years back at home, um, living, uh, working, making money. So I had to get surgery to get my, my hip repaired. Um, But I didn't have health insurance and I didn't have any money because I was in between all these tryouts. I was, you know, broke. Um, and so, dude, I had to move in with my sister and brother-in-law and I got two, I was working about 70 hours a week for a few months. Um, and just grinding, man. So that any, was, that was another any, cool thing. Any Go point ahead. that you're just like, listen, like I tried it. Cards aren't in my favor. I should, I should move on to something else. Dude. Um, never, man. And because, and really what it comes down to is my, I'm, I'm very faith filled. And so I spent a lot of time in prayer and meditation every day. And dude, I, I can't veer from the thought of this path and this purpose. And I've learned as I've gotten older that there's a greater purpose behind me having this path. Um, it's a lot about how I can influence people and the other companies that I'm building in the process. But it doesn't like do when I, when I pray about, you know, God, like, fuck, just tell me and I'll, and I'll throw the cards in. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, nope, 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 you're not done. Unless you want to be done. If you want to be done, you're done. It was like, well, I don't really want to be done. I love this game. Well, then go. <laughs> so, so yeah, man. So it took, took a year and a half, but finally I saved up enough money, got the surgeries done. There was a whole, the, the, there was a whole timing of events that were fucking crazy, but allowed it to happen. Um, 
But finally, basically, long story short, two years later, I was finally healed, called up Rochester. They were like, yeah, dude, come on out. We're not going to guarantee a contract, but come on out. We'll, we'll see how you look. Um, and then two days into preseason, they were like, all right, yeah, we're going to sign you. We're going to sign you. Let's go. So That's got to be a good feeling. After it was, you know, full, it was full like, circle of having the contract, losing it, injury, have to do all this crazy work and rehab and everything, and then to come back and then to offer you a contract again. No doubt, man. It was And it was fulfilling, man, because the thing about it, I didn't have money at the time, so I couldn't afford to have rehab. I couldn't afford to have a trainer to get me through it all. So that's when I started to learn, really, really learn about exercise sequencing, exercise uh, periodization, uh, proper nutrition for muscle growth and for recovery and for health. Um, and that's when, you know, at a younger age, I understood it all, but it was like a lot of like, do as I say, not as I do. And like, I know it, but I didn't necessarily do it. You know, I know not to drink soda, but there I am pounding fucking 24 ounce Cokes during work, you know? And so at that point in my life, it was like, all right, now I'm forced to like it's sink or swims, do or die. So I have to learn about it and I have to implement it and I have to implement it perfectly Otherwise, I'm going to miss my window of opportunity, you know, and I did it. And it was like, man, when I signed that contract, it was like, fuck, yeah, I did it. You know, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Are you at that point? Are you like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit in my indoor soccer career and ride that? Or how are you still? Because now you're doing a little bit of both. What is kind of your thought process with all that? Yeah, dude, at that point, especially earlier in my career, the vision was, you know, every, a lot of places that I kept going for these outdoor tryouts, the response was whether or not they were bullshitting was you don't have enough experience or we're going with this other guy that has more experience or you did great, but we just heard this other guy doesn't have a contract. So we're going to bring him in. And if he doesn't pan out, we'll bring you back in. And it was like, so for me, it was like, all right, if I can just keep getting, you know, if I can get an indoor contract, then they'll see, all right, now he's good enough. He's got experience. Now he can go to outdoor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my the, the thought process was still very much, all right, how can I use this to leverage an outdoor contract and the outdoor experience? Um, and I thought for sure, especially being in Rochester that first year, I thought it was I thought it'd be easy because they have Lancers and then they have the Rhinos, the USL program. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it turns out the ownerships don't really go well, didn't really go well. So the Rhinos ownership had zero interest in the Lancer players. Um, but that's a whole other story. But yeah, man, so the, the yeah, the, the dream was very much like, all right, now, I, like indoor is cool, but I want to play outdoors. So now how can I make that happen still, you know? Yeah. So what's your, what's your next step after that? How do we get closer to where all you're right, at so today? in Rochester – um, we got done with that season and they folded. So they, they dealt I, at with some point, do we have to think it's you at some point? We got to <laughs> ask the question. Am I the jinx? <laughs> um, but yeah, dude. So crazy enough, like the, the insurance, the health insurance changed. And so the owner went from paying two twenty thousand a year to having to pay 200,000 a year. And there was no guarantee that it wasn't going to continue to go up. Now, the messed up thing is being that he loved soccer, he was like, I I disagree with this, but I'll give you a million dollars right now for the next five years. And and that if the premiums aren't going to go up and that way it's it's done, it's taken care of. And 
they wanted they came back with well we can't guarantee that it won't go up again so you might have to go up you know so he was like no if that's the case i can't i can't you know it's too right. much money so he folded so i was like all right well i didn't really have anywhere to go at the time um there was a there was a competitive kind of semi-pro outdoor team in rochester that summer so i was playing there and um yeah, just hoping that the door would open up with the rhinos or something. Um, but actually, it, was, it turned out to be a huge blessing because Rochester, New York, during the summertime is probably the coolest place I've ever lived, man. Like, I had a buddy whose house, whose parents' house was on Lake Ontario. So, fuck, man, we would just, like, dude, we would go down, like, especially during the summer, they would, they would have parts of downtown closed off um, every night, and there would be live jazz festivals, live art festivals, you know, different music, wine, beer, you know. So it was a really, really, really cool place. It, it's almost because of how much it sucks during the wintertime. They, like, overdo it during the summertime, and, like, it's a really cool time, you know. It, it balances out to, like, a normal town over the years. It does. It does. Just... Uh, but, yeah, man, so from there, end of the summer came around. I still really wasn't sure what was going on, but preseason camps were starting with other teams. And one of my best friends uh, who I played with in Rochester, he had gotten traded halfway through the season. Um, and then he ended up uh, with a new team in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Uh, it was another Back expansion Iowa. team. Back to Iowa. So he called me up. He's like, Rob, I can't guarantee, but come out here. The coaches at least willing to look at you. Got out there day into tryouts yep we're gonna ink the deal so they ink, you know so then i was back to iowa baby um so that was an interesting time um <laughs> spent uh, let's see i played the first half of the games and then halfway through the season i got a call from my head coach and he said, Rob, uh, things are out of my control. I don't want to do this, but you've been released. You need to be out of team housing by the end of the week. This is on a Wednesday. You got to be you out had, of team housing. You had no idea this is coming. No idea it was coming. Jeez. No idea. It turns out four or five other guys got similar calls. And it, we still don't really, we still never really got a clear answer on like what was the criteria or what happened. But so I moved in with, luckily, I knew some people in the area because that's where I went to college. So one of my best, best friends lived in Iowa City, about 45 minutes away. Um, so I moved in with him, uh, slept on his living room floor on an air mattress for about four or five months when I was like, all right, well, what's next? Where do I go now? Where's, where's the door going to open up, you know? And so um, waited it out. And that summer, one of the guys that I played with on the team in Cedar Rapids stepped into a coaching role. And so now he was going to be the head coach of that team. And he was also going to be the head coach of their outdoor UPSL team, which is kind of like PDL. It's just another outdoor semi-pro circuit. Mm -hmm. um, so he calls me up and he's like, Hey man, I know you had, you know, some bullshit with the ownership, but I'm the coach now. And I really want you to come and be my center back for outdoor and then be my defender for indoor. And you're like, well, I'm ready to get hurt again. I guess this is what I'm doing. <laughs> so I did it, uh, which is cool, man. He's he's a really good coach. I actually learned I, I learned a pretty good amount from him. Um, so I had a good time. So so yeah, played the summer, uh, played the next indoor season, and then uh, after that season, um, he moved from Cedar Rapids to St. Louis as the coach. 
And so that was the summer that I spent with Bridges. So yeah, so that year, dude, we'll say with outdoor, man. So I was still like just pounding, like, dude, I, I, was, I was reaching out to agents. I was still going to tryouts. And I met this guy in Cedar Rapids. It was like, hey, there's this agency in Chicago called Bridges. It's like, I know the guy. Why don't you just go out there and see what they can do for you? And um, so sure enough, man. So that's as soon as indoor season ended, um, I was actually, I was dating a girl at the time in Chicago. So I was able to like go out and stay with her and go to bridges. And, um, you know, so that way at least I had somewhere to stay. Cause that's what, that's what Brett told me. He's like, uh, as long as you got somewhere to stay, dude, you can train with us as much as you want to. Um, so yeah, man. So through March and April was making those commutes. Uh, and then May and June we were getting, they, they invited me to go on the trip to Denmark. And so at that point I opted to move into the apartment, the team apartment for bridges. And that year when I moved in, bro, there was, it's a two bedroom apartment. There's a living room, bedroom, and another bedroom. Well, Brett Hall also, the, the director also lives in there. So he got that bedroom to himself. So this bedroom and this living room, when I got there, there was two other guys in the bedroom. It was me and two other guys. We had two bunk beds. It was no problem. Four people could sleep in there. We had, well, within a couple of days, that be, that bunk was full. And then another couple of days, there was two mattresses in the living room. And the next week, there was two more mattresses in the living room. And slowly, but sh so then pretty soon, dude, with like the last two weeks before camp, before we left for Denmark, there was 11 guys living in that two-bedroom apartment. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Who was, who was, was in cool, the, man. Who was like the dude? Like, it's just this melting pot of players that just have this fuck this dream and have been fighting and, and scratching, scratch, you know, clawing and tooth and nail and and man, we would we'd wake up and we train two hours in the morning and then we'd have lunch. We we'd do like tactical, technical in the morning and lunch and then playing in the afternoon. And dude, it was it was an unforgettable time, man. Like people would not want to live in those conditions for the most part, but dude like that brought like that bond that we formed and just the grind that we went through together. And, um, there was a very memorable few, you know, month right before we left for Denmark. So yeah, dude, that was really cool. And then honestly, um, I had a really cool, um, a couple of the nights that I was in Denmark before I got, before I went to the team that I got signed with, um, Brett would always stay up in the evening times and journal. And he would always like reflect on his day and journal on whatever was happening. And, um, so a couple of times, a couple of nights I went down and just kind of just had some conversation with him. That's one of the deepest, most profound dudes that I've ever met. And he's got a crazy story. And so a lot of my good memories are sitting with him at 11 o'clock at night um, in Denmark, just listening to how he grew up or what kind of experiences he had and the cancer that he went through. And so, yeah. Good time. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a wealth of knowledge. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so yeah, man. So from there, um, Denmark was great, dude. Again, like I never really knew what real coaching was or I knew what real coaching was, but I, I gained an especially, you know, appreciation for it after working with Brett, because especially those, those couple weeks in Denmark, the planning, because, you know, we're playing against Danish premier first and second division teams. And we're just 20 Americans that just met each other that are trying to get pro contracts, you know? So like, mm -hmm. it wasn't about going out and being better than them. It was going out and having a strategy and executing that strategy. And dude, we did, dude. Like we took a couple of, dude, we took Norchland to a draw. We took, we beat a couple of teams. Like 
it was it was a great experience. So like sitting there, while he he has his Chinese checkers pieces, um, his red and blue, red and blue. I'm sorry, uh, red and black chips, and he's always just sitting there. All right, and then when he goes here, we go here, and then when he goes here, we go here. It's like, oh, dude, like yeah, it was great. It was great. Um, so yeah, man, had a good few weeks there. Um, ended up signing with a team in Sweden. Um, so went there and spent um, the last three months that I was over there in in a small town in Sweden beautiful beautiful area i'll never forget that time man. that was great and that's that's when i first heard about you uh because i'm friends with matt DeKrieger, and i saw the pancake video which to this day is one of my favorite <laughs> videos i have seen those pancakes were incredible Dude, we, we just had so much time like when you got nothing to do we only had a certain amount of internet at our house so so we would try to like use it sparingly but in the last two weeks we'd have no internet so we would literally wake up and have nothing to do until team training at four o'clock. So I was like, well, let's go out and, you know, do two touch. And then after a while, I was like, all right, let's see how many pancakes in a row we can get. And yeah, it just went from there. <laughs> it was it was incredible. But so now you're, you're over in Europe, you're playing outdoor. Um, so obviously like that is a dream that you wanted. Um, and then you go back to the U.S. Are you thinking at that point, I want to go back to Europe? It was a fun adventure. I want to stay in the U.S. Kind of what's your, your thought process going into the off season? Um, so still at that point, it was, all right, so now that I've had, now that I've got this on my resume, there's not a single USL team that, that can say no. Like I, I got into the indoor league. I got into this league. Like I'm building my, I'm proving my work, you know? So it was like, uh, it was like a matter of, all right, so now what, what's going to be my next steps there? But when I was in, when I was there, uh, in Sweden, that's when I found out that my coach from Cedar Rapids had gone to St. Louis, and we had a conversation, and he expressed that he wanted me to come down, and uh, I knew his system, and he knew that I was stepping into, I was going to be a free agent, and so we had the conversation about me going back to play for him, um, and part of the conversation was, I, you know, I told him, hey, like, but, you know, I'm still in pursuit of a, of a you know, a, a USL contract here in the States, like, I want that, like, just what I want, you know. And so part of the thing was, all right, well, I know this coach and that coach. And so come play indoor for me. And, you know, I'll talk to these coaches after the season for you. Um, nothing like that ended up materializing, which is tough. So I came back to the States, played in St. Louis. Um, we had the worst, worst team in the league. We were like 3-19. and 19. Um, But I got, I got a defender of the year in the league. So even on the worst team, like I had the most amount of blocks in the league. Um, and then I was voted on as, as numero uno. So now, I'm like, All right, now that I got that, there's not a single team that could say no, right? Like I'm the best. And sure enough, man, like the coach that he knew didn't need a center back at the time. And then the coach in St. Louis, um, I had two agents reach out to him and all we could get back was, Oh, thank you for the interest. We're pretty set with defenders, but if a spot ever opens up, we'll give him a call. What's his phone number? I, I emailed back a couple times, like, hey, in case, you know, just want to remind you I'm here. Like, I, I'm happy to come out and just train, just be a training dummy. I'll stand in the wall, like, whatever. Um, and still couldn't get anything. So, um, so at that point, um, I just kept playing, you know, so now for outdoor, I continue to play on, you know, I played for a UPSL team there. And then last summer I played for a UPSL team in Denver. And this summer, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but um, so I, I 
just continued pursuing indoor as aggressively as I could. So got a friend of the year, played another year in St. Louis, had a good time. And then my contract expired and I got an offer from the Florida tropics. So that was, it was really exciting, man, because, um, you know, I got done with my season in St. Louis. I wasn't sure if they were going to re-sign me. I wasn't sure anything that was happening. Ownership was interested, but I wasn't really hearing much from the coaching staff. Um, so just, out of blue, I got a call from, or no, so I sent a message to Florida, Milwaukee, and Baltimore and just said, hey, I'm a free agent, you know, are you guys looking for a defender? You know, I just, you know, spoke a little love into him, whatever. Um, and then I got a message back from Clay Roberts at Florida. And he was like, hey, you know, what's it going to take to get you here? And yeah, so then I ended, we, we negotiated and I ended up there. Man, this has been last season. Um, I'm sure you, you saw a little bit, but man, we were the best team in the Eastern Division. We were undefeated for a good chunk of the season. We, um, man, we were we were poised to to play very very well. And it was like it was one of those where it was like reflecting all year. Dude. It was me and a couple of guys. Like I played with a guy that I played with in Norfolk, and I played with a guy from St. Louis, and like we're all sitting there like. Dude, we've all just hit the jackpot. Like, we all play in these shitty conditions, shitty teams, shitty ownerships, like, coat, like everything, all these issues. And now, all of a sudden, here we are in Florida in December. We're the best team in the league. It's 70 degrees outside, and we're all doing well. Like, this what's is too good to be true. <laughs> we, we finally made it. All right. All right so, so, you are you are in Florida. You guys are doing well. Um I like this point because now it finally starts to feel like you're hit like the, I don't want to say like coast part. That's not the right word, but like consistency that it's not like, am I going to have a team? Am I not? Is this team going to be around? Is it not? All of that. It seems like it's finally like, all right, I'm at a place where I can, you know, be confident where I'm at. 100% man. Um, and it's funny, dude, like I've, I had, like, that was one of the things that I loved about soccer, Sam, was he promoted that like players can perform so much better when they're secure, when they're secure in knowing they're going to make some money, when they're secure in, in knowing the team's around, that the ownership supports them. Um, and it's absolutely right. Like, I, like I'm, I'm a senior player at this point, I'm seven years into my career. So, but I had a conversation with Clay. Again, I still have these conversations with coaches. So I had a conversation with him about three weeks into preseason. I said, all right, man, now that you've seen me, you know, what is it that I can continue to work on this year? And, and he, his comment to me was, Rob, it's just incredible for me to see a senior player continuing to grow and continuing to get better. It's like most guys at, at years five, six, seven, they've, they've reached their peak and, you know, they start to get a little complacent. He's like, but dude, in the last three weeks, you're getting sharper, you're getting smarter, your execution is, get, is improving um and all this and i just i got to reflect and i was like literally it's just because for the first time in my career i'm on salary you know most indoor contracts are per game so you're only uh -huh. getting paid if you're playing the game so it's like am i even going to make money this week all this training this week am i even going to get paid for it you know so for the first time in my career i'm on salary um, my housing is guaranteed um i know that the own the ownership is incredible there man he invested into a whole new front office um, and so you just, you know, that the vision and the direction is there. And now you just have to bring your pizzazz and your, and your piece to the, to the puzzle. Um, so yeah, man, it, it was great, dude. I, we, it was incredible soccer culture. Um, I was able to get into the community quite a bit, which is my passion at this point. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to get back there. We should be reporting back in October if everything goes, goes well. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, 
it seems from what I've seen from afar that it's uh, been a good fit for you. And it's finally like found a, found a home almost after having to, to move around so much in your career, which is always a great thing um, because most of football is so nomadic. So having a yeah, little consistency no, is nice. No doubt, man. Um, so you're still playing some in the summer times. Um, you've been doing some leagues. Uh, are you, what's kind of your thought process with the outdoor? Do you use it to kind of just stay ready for the indoor? I, I from the outside, it kind of looks to me like the indoor is your biggest focus. I don't know if that's true or not, but that to me kind of feels that way. Sure. So my, so my big thing, especially over the last couple of years, um, which is cool because it's a lot, it's, it's become an integral part of my brand. Um, is just control your controllables. So I still have a vision of getting, you know, I'm, I'm 33 years old, but I still have a vision of getting a USL contract um, at some point. So much so that as soon as I moved back to, I, when COVID hit and I left Florida, um, it was because I, I have a, I had some family stuff to deal with. Um, so I want to come back and be present for that. But the first thing that I did as soon as I got here was I sent a I went to the website and to the roster and I sent a message to, uh, and I saw cause they all, they have all their Instagram links for all the players. Mm -hmm. And I sent a message to every single player and said, Hey, I'm Rob Acosta. I play in the indoor league. I'll be around for the summer. I'm not even look like, I'm not asking you to get me out to the team for a contract. I literally just need someone to do one V ones with. I play defender and I need to go at people and I need, you know, I'm just looking for anyone to work out with. So here's what, here's my footwork videos, you know, check them out. Like, if you're ever like, if we can ever train together, let me know. I'll come to a park close to your house or something. And literally same message, every single player, man, just boom, 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 boom. Well, I heard back from five of them and they were all at that point, they were all under strict rules from Phoenix rising to not, um, they couldn't even go outside of their team housing. They, they had to be inside all the time. Um, and, but one of the guys was like, oh yeah, you know, if, when we're allowed to train with other people again, you're a beast. I want you to teach me some ladder drills. So it hasn't happened yet, but um, I've still got the vision that if, if, you know, I'm going to control what I can control and that's my training habits, my nutrition habits, uh, my, my time spent on a ball each day um, and whether that pays off as more success in indoor, which is, which is what I'm garnering or whether it finally slams that door open for an outdoor career. Um, that's out of my control, but in my control is how, how much work I put in the meantime, you know? I love it. I think too, uh, listening to you talk, uh, something that's maybe different than a lot of players maybe in the same situation is the humility it takes for that, right? Like it sounds good to everyone like, oh, and then I messaged every player and this and that, but like you're not 19 doing it like you're you're a man and yet you're still humble enough to be like hey come train with me one-on-one -on -one, work with me as well as you're asking coaches at your age how can I improve how can I get better where most players at that age are kind of like uh no I've been here this is my seventh year like I'm the top dog like I know what to do I'm gonna just yell at the young guys and what to do and instead your mindset's like a growth mindset which I think ego gets in the way of the growth mindset a lot. So to hear you talk that way, um, I think is very cool, but also unique circumstance, you know? I appreciate that, man. And you're right, dude. Like, and that's one of the things that I see from other players. I never want to be stagnant. And the, the, the habits that I've, that I've developed and garnered in soccer, 
or pay off in, in all the other areas of my life. And so soccer is just the easiest for me to control because I, I love it so much. So, um, yeah, man, I, I don't think there's – I fear the point – I fear the day where I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm good enough. I'm not going to get any better. You know, I fear that day. I don't, I don't think it will ever come, honestly. Yeah, what fun would that be, right? <laughs> um, so you've been talking a little bit about your your brand. Um, for those who don't know, hopefully I'll link your Instagram and they can check out all your videos and stuff. I like watching them. Um, talk a little bit about how that's growing, um, how that's helped with soccer, how that's helped you, you know, also for kind of a – plan B, so to speak, when football is no longer in your life, you have something else growing now. Yeah. So yeah, man, it's been cool. It's, you know, about four, four is when I was living in Cedar Rapids. It was actually the time that I had been released. I was living, I was sleeping on an air mattress in my buddy's living room. And I just, I was out doing my normal training and I just started making video. I, I made a video of myself and it was kind of a fun process. And I posted it and I got some really good responses like, oh, that's a cool drill or whatever it was. And so I was like, Oh, cool. I'm going to keep doing that. And then it, you know, I just kept, it started to grow a little bit and all of a sudden I started getting more followers and then guys were asking questions. And, um, so yeah, man. And then, uh, at a certain point I met a guy who builds mobile applications. And so he was like, well, what if I build your mobile application? I was like, well, I don't have any money, so that's cool. But um, and he, I mean, he saw my work ethic. I've been working with his kids for a while. So he was like, honestly, we'll talk money later on down the road once you're making money. Like for now, I just want to give you tools and platform. Um, so at that point it was like, all right, well maybe I can like make a business out of this or make a brand out of this, you know? And at that point it was still like very much like a coast of fitness, coast of fitness. And, um, so then I put together a website and I started working with, um with people online and started going and then i started uh getting involved with different youth clubs as like the speed strength and agility coordinator um and then like in those and so i i, I love running those sessions but then in those sessions i also love like the mental coaching like teaching these kids that you know immediate gratification isn't a thing and repetition and all this and so like i just i got used to like talking to kids like youth young players about like full picture health and athleticism and all this and i'm like well you know, and then, it, and then it just started to light my fire. I just, I, I fell in love with it. And then I, you know, more people started coming to me for exercises. And so um, over the last, it's really been the last year that I've started to like really develop the body of the brand and, and what it really is. Um, and so, yeah, man, it's, it's like, it's multi-part for me. For one, as a, as a young player, I didn't have some of the tools that I needed. I didn't have workouts. I didn't have nutrition tips. I didn't have things like that. Two, if there was access to it, I couldn't afford it. You know, my, my family was already paying for what they could. You know, I had to pay for everything that I could from when I was 16. So like my money was spent on car, car insurance, gas to get from school, stuff like that. Um, and so I, so I didn't have money. So now I want to be able to provide resources to the same kid that don't have, that don't have as much money or don't have the resources, you know? Um, and then, but plan, but also like after soccer is done, I'm going to need, you know, something to suffice in some way to keep interacting with the next generations in a, in a way to maintain my platform, my influence. Um, so yeah, man, so we started to build it. And so now launching in, um, there's a mobile application that is in beta. I've got a group of testers right now and it'll go fully live this week. Uh, I got my apparel line, which went live on my website yesterday. Um, and basically it's, just, it's, it's my attempt to give, to, to create a brand that 
allows people to stay in touch with their vision and their direction, not just, you know, put on a shirt and now you're Nike. Like for me, it's walk the talk. And with, with every shirt or with each part of the brand, um, you get a tag that forces you to sit down and focus on your why. What are you working toward? What's the vision? What's the direction? Um, and so the vision is just to, you know, now every time, so I, I got my why up on the wall. So now every time I put on my shirt, now I'm like thinking about my why and I'm thinking about what it is I'm working toward. So now it's, now it's a lot more symbolic. And so I just want to give people tools and resources to stay aligned, um, stay motivated and develop discipline. Um, and so that's what my brand is going to be about, man. Awesome. Yeah, no, I'm excited to, uh, to see how it, how it goes with all the release and the application and everything like that. Um, I, I really, um, like that you were talking about the why, um, I tell my players with that is, is why is the most important question that you can ask in any situation, whether that's, um, in life or whether that's, you know, talking specifically to sports, why are you doing something? What's the meaning behind it? What is the coach trying to do? If it's, you know, on the field, why, why am I doing it? What is my passion for this? Right? Because if you don't know, yeah, maybe you're motivated for a week, a month, a year, but it's not going to get you 70 hours of working dominoes, this club folding, this club folding, that club folding. If you don't have a why, like it, it, especially in soccer, it is so much of a grind. And that's why I love a story like yours. Like, it's not like, oh, I grinded for a year and then everything worked out and it was sunshine and rainbows. Like <laughs> it was continually a grind after grind after grind. And yet you kept going, right? That's why I was asking like, oh, any thoughts of, of quitting? Because you have that why. So that doesn't come in as I need to give up. Instead, this is what motivates me and this is the reasoning behind it. So I really like that you spoke on that specifically. I love it, man. That was, it was, that was one of the most life-changing things for me. When I was in Rochester, I sat with a buddy of mine, and he's a big Tony Robbins guy. Um, and Tony Robbins talks about um, – he actually has this course where, like, you, like, peel back your one. So, like, for, like, it starts off as, well, why are you training this morning? It's like, oh, because I want to be a better soccer player. Why do you want to be a better soccer player? Oh, because I'd like to get a pro contract. Well, why do you want to get a pro contract? It's like – Oh shit, man. Like once you really peel back and answer that, why like four five, six, seven times, then you can get started. And like, mm -hmm. until, until then it's like, if, you, if you're just going out cause you want to be a better player, that's not it. Why do you want to be a better player? What do you, why did, why does a pro contract mean so much to you? For me, a lot of it has to deal with family and, and you know, some of my upbringing and things like that. I won't get too much into it cause it's kind of personal. Um, but it's, it's knowing more than I want to be the best player or I want to, I want to play for this pro team. It's like, why, 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 why keep asking yourself. And when you can't ask yourself anymore, ask yourself one more time. And it's probably going to lead you to a good place. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Now it's, it's scary to actually be that self-honest with yourself. It's a scary moment. Really? You actually are honest with it. You got to get vulnerable, man. And then you got to think about what happens if you don't like, what is your why? Like for me, once you tap into that, why, all right, well now what happens if you don't do this action? Oh shit, that why never gets, never gets accomplished. And like, I, it's my life and that's what I'm here for. You know, we're only here for mm -hmm. one, you know, that we know of, we get one try, you know? So it's like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta spend the time to self-explore. Yeah, absolutely. No, I really, I really uh, appreciate you talking about that. So Bridges guys, we like to ask every guy, what would be their five aside indoor team if they could choose their ultimate team? 
So I'm curious to hear yours. Obviously, yours is probably built around your summer trip, but excited to hear it. <laughs> I, dude, I actually, I dude, I had a really, really, really hard time with this because, man, I we had some ballers on my trip, dude. We had some really talented players, and it, like especially the players that didn't get the, the year that I went. We had a bunch of college guys that couldn't get signed. They were just there for for training purposes, and so like I want to throw them in the mix, you know, because they're ballers. You know, um, but yeah, all right. So I got my five and I had to like, I had to go through this multiple times. Like, all right, is this on there? Is that all, all right? No, I can't go. With him. <laughs> and a couple of it, uh, one of the guys actually wasn't even on the trip, but I, um, so I'll just go through it. So Sean Toach, he wasn't even on our trip, but I know who he is from indoor. And then we got to, Brett actually took us down to Louisville and we got to meet him. Dude's a fucking stud. Yeah. Um, so you got Sean Toach, uh, X Gomez. I'm sure everyone knows him. Simon Magali, Phil Fives, and Aaron Wiley. Okay. That's my five. That's your five. Do you know, what five do you know from there? Do you know those names? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't okay. know. I've been, uh, when did I first get connected with Bridges? Was that 2011? So been, oh, shit. So you've known him for a minute, huh? Yeah. Dude. So I know, like, I know, like, I came in right at the maybe a year or two overlap of like the original like bridges squad and then seeing how it changed over the years that's so cool man yeah it's dude there's there's some really good players that have gone through there it was one of those things where i wish that when i moved away from like when i moved to virginia um i wish i had ended up somewhere closer to chicago because if man if i had hit that was like the biggest challenge when i got to bridges was i was 20 28 or 29 and so jeff jeff and brett were pretty upfront with me they're like look dude like you're well past the age that most clubs are looking for so this is going to be a challenge and it was like one of those if you had if you had found us you know six seven eight years ago you're a fucking shoe in like and but you're mm -hmm. you know these are the cards we're dealt and so this is what we got to do with um so that's so that's one of the things where i wish that i had found bridges a lot sooner um but i'm just grateful that i found them in the long run yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's hard uh it's hard to make a name for yourself when you're an older player without the experience. Unfortunately, that's the reality of it. It is. But, but yeah, no, it's Bridges, never, Bridges never, is incredible. Yeah, and but that's, I mean, that's the biggest message I have to players. Like a lot of, I, like, that's one of the reasons that Walk the Talk is like my slogan is, you know, in much of my early 20s, I knew what I should be doing but I wasn't fully aligned. Like I was busting my ass, man. I was busting my ass. I was, I was working, I was training, but little things like not, you know, you know, not to drink soda, you know, not to, you know, go out and booze on the weekend, especially after a hard week of training. It was like a lot of like little, little habits in my early twenties. I just, I wasn't walking the talk. Um, but then when I got injured and I was forced to reassess and reevaluate and then, you know, back into Rochester was like my, second chance you know um at that point it was like i was much more my actions were much more aligned with my my words um and so that's when the success started to come man so it's it, you know for the young guys especially don't be like me and don't wait that long but just know that as soon as you take that step and you decide that that's your identity and that you're going to walk the talk and you put those habits into place it's not too late man you can fuck you can make mm -hmm. it happen yeah and i think too like speaking to that with like the one percent differences like players like oh but i do 80 percent, like it's fine and then you're like yeah but do you realize like there's a lot of players that can do 80 percent, 
that's not difficult to find a player. It's the player that's willing to do those little extra that might only be a 1% difference, but added up over 20 areas makes them a much more desirable and complete player than you sitting at 80%, not really buying into fully, you know, putting in the work for it. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I made a post about it on my social media the other day, man, the difference between a hundred touches a day. So like someone like, you know, a, a real focused player is going to get those extra hundred touches, hundred touches a day is, you know, what is it? You know, if you're training five days a week, it's 500 touches a week. It's 2000 touches a month. That's 24,000 touches a year. So now if you think about one year, two year, three years, four years, like you're talking hundreds of thousands of touches that is the difference between that, that top, top level player and that player just behind him that wants to be there. 100%. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, talking a little bit, you're 33 now. If you could go back to 15-year-old you playing in Arizona before you knew what cold weather was, what would you, what advice would you give yourself soccer related? Um, man, I had to think on that too. And I think one of the biggest things is focus on nutrition a lot more, um, not just what, but why. So I remember like at that point it was, you know, coaches tell you like, Oh, drink Gatorade after practice or eat pasta for two days beforehand. And, it's, and little principles like that are cool, but like you have to really learn like a what food is and what it's doing in the body. Um, when I one of you know when I started focusing on that, that's when I actually started to put on muscle. That's when I started to actually you know my coordination improved. Like as much training as I do, all of my all of my growth has come from my nutrition habits and what I've learned to put in my body. So um, so yes, learn what you're eating, learn what carbs, proteins, and fats are and why and and like micronutrients too and why you need them because the like if you can learn that early on it's going to help you get in really 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 good habits at 15 16 17 um so that you've already got them in play so you don't have to worry about relearning them when you're 25 26 27. um so there's that and then spend more time on a ball so i already thought i was spending a lot of time on a ball and i was like i don't need to spend more time i'm gonna spend plenty of time on a ball you can, you can all spend more like, man, I'll never forget when I was in Norfolk and I was like, I went in like, Oh yeah. It's like thinking like kind of having a lot of pride and how much ball work I did and how much time I spent, man. There's just these guys that dude, there's two guys in particular that just lived with a ball, man. Like they were there before training, after training, we would go over to their apartment, you know, after, you know, a couple hours after practice and they were out playing football. Um, we, you know, in the evening we'd go to the park to be casual and they'd bring a soccer ball and they like everywhere, like every, they always, always were getting touches. So um, whether it's formal or informal, just get on a ball more. I like it. I like it. I was hoping that you're going to say, don't ever shave, grow a beard, you know, but I guess those are helpful <laughs> things too. <laughs> also that once the beard starts don't stop it <laughs> i like it um you worked at domino's what can you can you stomach domino's now i'm sure you you ate a lot of it at that time i know your nutrition you eat healthy now but do you still enjoy domino's dude i could eat domino's anytime any place i love dude I don't know what it is, man. And yeah, you dude, especially when I worked there, I'd eat a stuffed cheesy bread right when I got to work. And then at the end of work, I'd eat a, either a whole pizza or a couple oven baked sandwiches or whatever. And I mean, that goes into one of those things where like, I knew I shouldn't be doing that, but it's so delicious. So I, you know, I have to. 
What's uh, uh, what's so your you, go-to pizza order from Domino's? Go-to pizza order. It's a, a large pepperoni and sausage pizza with banana peppers on half and black olives on the other half. Uh, and then a stuffed cheesy bread, but I try to get them to customize it. Cause when I worked there, I used to put pepperoni and pineapple inside of the stuffed cheesy bread. So I always make that note on the deliver, like when you can like order online and put a note, if you can put pepperoni, pineapple inside stuffed cheese bread, it's worked for me twice out of a lot of times. So, but that's good. Stuffed cheese bread and, uh, and, and pizza. I like it. I'm on a, I'm on a kick right now. If I do get pizza, it's pineapple and blue cheese. And it is incredible. Okay. All right. I, I thought it was weird before I tried it. I was like, no way is this good. But I promise you, it tastes amazing. For, and I don't usually like pineapple on pizza. So I know it's controversial, but there it is. <laughs> <laughs> I respect it, dude. I like it. Um, I, obviously, we've talked about... Um, what you're doing outside of soccer with your your fitness, um, all of that. What right now is kind of your, you know, you 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 train a lot, you do a lot of things. What's your, what aspect of training do you enjoy the most? Is there a specific program right now that you're just really enjoying doing, or you know, some type of training aspect that you're really enjoying right now? There's two things that really light my fire as far as the training goes. Um, and actually, it's been interesting because during quarantine, I had to kind of reevaluate. So one of the things that I, that I freaking love is like heavy, explosive weightlifting that applies to sport. So like power cleans, um, hang cleans, things like that that you can convert to like real high strength. <clears throat> I didn't do those most of my life. And that was one of those things that I picked up when I was like 25, 26. And just seeing the gains that you can make from that, I love it. Um, I love that, but then the main thing that, that is like my niche in in training that I'm, you see all over my page is ladder and cone work. Um, man, I, I see a ladder and I see cones and I just, dude, I come up with different combinations and for whatever reason, man, it's just one of those things that just lights me on fire, man. I get excited. Like I go out to the field. I don't even have it drawn out most of the time. I go out to the field, my ladder and my cones, and I'm like, all right, this sounds cool. We're going to do this. And I start putting it there and sure enough, like I think of how it applies. And um, so I love those two elements through and through, but the biggest change that I started to appreciate during quarantine is uh, you ever done like EMOM workouts or Tabata workouts? Yeah. yeah. So like timed workouts, so, like every minute on the minute, like having four exercises that you rotate between for 20 minutes, Dude, those workouts are killer, man. And like it's now that brutal. I'm back to the it's brutal. Dude, I may never do a non-EMOM workout again. I'm like, yo, these things are like killer, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've been loving yeah. those the last few weeks. Now, you know, celebrities sometimes have been accused of Photoshop on photos. Have you ever done a ladder and then sped up the, the speed of it a little bit on the on the computer? Dude, really good question. Never once. Okay, never once, and I never will. I'll always slow it down so people can see what I'm doing. But I mean, let's be real; I don't have to speed it up. It already looks fast enough, you know. Like it, it already is fast. Enough. If you're not fast enough, don't try to speed it up because that's usually obvious. Slow it down to slow motion. No one knows how fast you're actually going, anyway. <laughs> Dude, I always love it. I always try to time it so that there's somebody like walking behind me. Or like, I love it when a bird flies through the picture because then it's like, it's validated. It's like, all right, look at them moving and then look at me moving. Like, so if I can get like, the more that I can post those ones, it's like, it validates me a little bit. Now my, my favorite one that I took from you 
is uh, the explosiveness from when you're on your knees and then exploding up to your feet. I really enjoy that one. I'll be honest. I stole that a couple years ago from you back when I, before my, when my knee could handle it, but. I love that, dude. That's one of those two that, man, there's like a lot of people look at exercise and they think about like just muscles and joints and stuff, but a lot of it is associating the mind to muscle connection. And so that one's just really good for like having the brain tell the body to move really fast. And like one, mm -hmm. if it can move from the knees really fast and get you to a, to a like standing position, it can move it in all kinds of other ways too. So that's, that's cool if that's a one you picked up from me. I like knowing that. I like it. Now, obviously talking nutrition, you said 15 year old self, wish you could have told yourself that right now. I'm gonna ask two questions. Your first, what's your go-to healthy meal? Ooh, that's a tough choice, man. Go-to healthy meal. I'm a bait. I'm basic, man. I'm super basic. Um, especially like during season, I meal prep a lot because I'm like, you know, um, so I just do, I have my little meal prep containers and I'll do 200 grams of rice, six ounces of chicken, and then some kind of vegetable, generally like broccoli or something. And so I'll have like five or six nights of that prepped. But my trick is Monday night is barbecue sauce. Tuesday night is taco seasoning. Wednesday night is Cajun seasoning. Thursday night, you know, so each night, you know, I'm essentially eating the same because, you know, one week I'll do brown rice, chicken, and broccoli. The, the next week I'll do quinoa, ground beef, and, you know, whatever mm -hmm. else, with carrots or something. So essentially the same thing every night, but just different flavorings. I like it. Now, yeah. okay, so that's your healthy. What's your go-to? Do you do like, are you one of those that just every once in a while you eat unhealthy? This day you have a cheat meal, this, how, what do you do? What's your program for junk food? Um, I used to do, when I'm living on my own, I'll set aside like Sundays, Sundays I'll just do what I'm feeling. So if I feel like eating healthy, I'll eat healthy. But most of the time, if I feel like smashing a pizza, I'll smash a pizza. Um, but since I've been home, it's been interesting. It's the first time that I've really lived around my family. Um, in my adulthood. Every time I've been home before, it's been maybe for like five or six days at a time. And what I found out is that families have a lot of get togethers. And what they like to do with these get togethers is eat sh shitty food. Um, so now I don't necessarily plan out cheat meals, but I make sure that I'm in line with my eating on a regular basis so that when, you know, like uh, tomorrow, we're, or I'm sorry, tonight, I'm headed over to my sister's house to do pizza and a movie with uh, her kids. So it's like, I don't have to feel restricted when I get together with my family on the weekends. Um, but yeah, I just make sure that everything else go leading up to that is super, super balanced and aligned. What, uh, what movie are you guys watching? Uh, dude, I don't know what we're going to watch, but last time we watched Onward and that was awesome. Have you seen that or heard of it? Uh, no, I don't know about yeah, it. Man, it's a Disney movie. It might've made me tear up. Um, it's about a kid who loses his dad or a kid and his brother lose their dad and they get a chance to spend a day with him. And dude, it's, it's a really good movie. Really, really cool. Movie. Disney kills oh, man. it, man. Dude, yeah, they dude, bring tears they, to my eyes. Oh yeah. Dude, dude, they make it. And like, it's, it's, it's adult funny. Like it's funny sitting with five-year-olds who like, they're laughing when, you know, someone slips and falls, but there's like all these like, jo like hidden jokes within the storyline that it's like, all right, that's fucking funny. All right, that's an adult joke right there. The kids don't get it, but that's really funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
I feel like there's so many like movies and TV shows I watched as a kid. And then like, I watch it now and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> some of the songs that I like, some of the songs from back in the day, it's like, what was I singing? You know? <laughs> Incredible. All right. So it's Onward is the movie. That's what we watched last time. I'm not sure All we right. watched this. Movie. All right. I'll, I'll give that one a look. Yeah. 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 Check it out. You'll love it. But, all right, man, I appreciate you taking time um, out of your day to share your insights. Again, I just I really love the grinding story. And it wasn't like, oh, for this one season, I grinded and then everything was amazing. You were relentless with it, um, as well as I really appreciate hearing about your growth mindset, at, even at your age, even with all of your experience being winning best defender of the, of the um, league you're still, how can I improve? How can I get better? How can I maximize my potential? So I really, I really enjoy that. Um, obviously the fitness stuff is interesting to hear about because that's a little bit different dynamic than a lot of players might have experience with. So I appreciate you taking the time to share your story. Um, and I hope you enjoy that pizza tonight as well. <laughs> Dude, I appreciate you, man. And just last little note too. It's funny. You keep saying like, I love when I'm in these conversations and there's like little indicators that my path is, is, is in the right direction, right? So I haven't talked about this yet, but I'll just drop it for you because, dude, I love what you're doing and I love the insight you're giving young players and, and man, the, the, and like how you're very in touch with teaching your players the why. And so I'm building a bigger brand, bigger than Acosta Fitness because, you know, not only Acosta only is relevant to certain people. So I have a vision of building a bigger brand and the next phase, so walk the talk is going to be the big thing that I teach and educate on for the next year. And then a year from now, we're, we're going to launch the second phase of it, which is keep grinding. Um, and you've been, and you've said, you know, grinding multiple times in this interview and that's, and that's what it is, man. And like, but I want to teach these kids, you're not grinding until you're walking the talk. You're not grinding until you're actually doing things right. And then it's a series of keep grinding. And then there's a third leg of the brand after that, but I won't get into that right now. Uh, but yeah, man, I've got like the vision where we're headed. And so, man, to any of your followers, if there's anything that I can do to help, if you guys got questions, any nutrition, fit, fitness, soccer related, non-soccer related, um, you know, I'm here to be a beacon of light, love and positivity and growth. And that's what it is, man. And like, but I want to teach these kids, you're not grinding until you're walking the talk. You're not grinding until you're actually doing things right. And then it's a series of keep grinding. And then there's a third leg of the brand after that, but I won't get into that right now. Um, but yeah, man, I've like got the it. vision where we're headed. And so, man, to any of your followers, if there's anything that I can do to help, if you guys got questions, any nutrition, fit, fitness, soccer related, non-soccer related, um, you know, I'm here to be a beacon of light, love and positivity and growth. So any, any way that, that, you know, I can help you out or help your followers out, don't hesitate to let me know. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. All right, man. Much love. All right. See you, man. Have a good night. All right, you too. Bye. Bye.